How are you guys doing? Awesome. Awesome. It's good to see you guys. Uh, we are concluding this morning our series on priorities, and um, it's been a ride. Only four of them that we've talked about, and, this, and one of the reasons is because we could just keep going, right? I mean, there are a lot of priorities that we could talk about that Jesus has for us, but uh, we're talking about today the Great Commission that he gave us, which you can't talk about priorities and not talk about that. So um, we're going to look at that, and I'd like you to pray with me a minute and ask for God to really give you ears to hear what it means to you in this and for me too. So let's just pray. Lord, thank you that you care for us the way you do. Thank you that you speak to us the way you do. And today we are asking for you to give us ears to hear you and um, to really impress on us how this message should impact us so that we can know you better, live for you more completely, and uh, just see your great works in our lives. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to start this morning by telling you a story that happened um, on September 11, 2001, 9-11. Jeannie Bracca had switched on her television set to see, to get a weather report. And um, for those of you who remember that at that time, what she saw instead was an airplane flying into Tower 1 of the World Trade Center. Jeannie's husband, Al, worked as a corporate bond trader for Cantor Fitzgerald on the 105th floor of Tower 1. He had actually survived, Al had, the World Trade Center bombing of 1993, and it actually helped an asthmatic old lady out of the building at that time. And Jeannie said this, um, I knew he would stop to help and minister to people, but I never thought for a minute that he wouldn't be coming home. And a week later, like so many others who were in that building, Al's body was found in the rubble. And Al's wife, Jeannie, and his son, their son, Christopher, were devastated. And then the reports began to trickle in from friends, acquaintances, people who had been on that 105th floor that had made a last phone call or sent a last email to loved ones. And the report was that there was a man there who was leading them in prayer, and a number of them referred to Al by name. When Al realized that they were all trapped in the building and that there was no escape, he shared the gospel with a group of about 50 co-workers and led them in prayer. That news came as no surprise to Jeannie because her and Al had been praying for that group of people for years. According to Jeannie, Al didn't even like his job as a bond trader there. He couldn't stand the environment. It was a world so out of touch with his Christian values but he wouldn't quit because he believed that God had called him to be a light in the darkness at that place, that this was the group of people God had called him to witness to. He was not ashamed of Christ. He was not ashamed of Christ's words. He shared his faith and he paid a price for it. Some of the people there sarcastically nicknamed him the Rev because he was so willing to share the gospel. But on that fateful day of 9-11, in the midst of the chaos, 
with the end of their lives in sight, those same people turned to the Rev, and Al delivered. One of the final things he did was to try to get a phone call through to his family. He talked to an MCI operator and, and uh, asked them to tell, her, tell his family that I love them. His son Christopher said, the last thing my dad did involved two things that were most important to him, God and his family. And he said he loved to lead people to Christ. When we started this series on priorities, we started out by saying it's not my way or your way, it's only God's way, it's only God's way. And then we talked last week about how, how Jesus has given us one job to invest everything for Christ our King. Everything, we said everything we are, everything the way, that he, the way he's created us, and everything we have. Al had not lost sight of those kinds of priorities. That's the way he lived his life. He was determined to keep those priorities right. And God has a purpose and a plan for you, one that is specific to you. He asks you to share in what he calls, or what we call, the Great Commission. His, his giving a commission or a charge or a command or a directive, you could say, any one of those things. It comes from Matthew 28, beginning in verse number 18. Let's read it together. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, and that, that word is translated power in a lot of your translations, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we think, uh, Allison talked about the baptisms happening on the 27th. We'll be doing that then. Teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When you stop and look at this piece of Scripture, you see kind of weaving through it this idea that Jesus is laying out. It's when we obey Jesus' commands, he overcomes our problems. You can see that kind of weaving through this Scripture. When we obey his commands, and there is a command, he's telling us to go and do these things, then he overcomes our problems. Now, I want to tell you, friends, it may not look like you expect it to look, but Jesus will move on our behalf. And he is going to give us the power to do what he's called us to do. And then we get the best kind of success. And I believe that Al Braca today in glory would confirm that. This directive of Jesus's, this commission, this command, is not just for pastors. It's not just for people who are high up in their faith or whatever. It's, if you believe in Jesus, it's for you. It's for you. He's, he's calling it out to those who believe in him, who have, a, who have a relationship with him. So I want to break it down today. I want us to really look at this and think about what it means to us. Because the very beginning of this, when it starts out in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus says, all authority or power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When he says that, that is an incredibly amazing, audacious outrageous statement when you think about it. All power? Really? All? In heaven and on earth? Are you kidding me? That's, that, is, that is significant for him to be able to say that. If somebody says something like that, 
And you may have heard people make statements that are kind of like that. They just say, it's this, and they're presenting it as truth. And now you've got to ask a question, is that true? And, and there are two questions I would encourage you to ask when somebody makes a statement, and in this case, Jesus doesn't give any, any proof for it. He's, he's just saying, here's what it is. All power, all authority has been given to me. And, and, and so when somebody says that, we have to ask two questions. First one is this, who's the speaker? Who's the speaker is important because that tells us how credible that statement is, right? Um, because there's all kinds of people who say crazy things. I remember not long ago being in a swimming pool and some guy's jumping up and down saying, I'm God, I'm God. I thought, well, you don't look like it to me. But, um, you know, I didn't put much stock in that statement because of who the speaker really was. The second question is this, what's it mean to me? So if it's true, if what the speaker said is valid, or if he has credibility, then I've got to ask the question, what difference does that make to me? So let's ask those two questions as we look at the scripture. The first one is who is saying it? Who was it? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth made the statement. The one who called himself the Messiah. The one who called himself the Son of God. The one who the Bible says, God called this as my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's who said that. Now, like I said, who says it makes a huge difference because the speaker's credibility determines our belief in what is said. The speaker's credibility determines our belief in what is said. I'm going to give you an example. I'm telling you right now, and, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this to everybody online too, that November 28th of this year, which happens to be my birthday, November 28th is my birthday. Happens to be on a Sunday this year, by the way, so uh, get ready. Um, anyway, November 28th is my birthday, and if I told you today, guess what? We are now making that a national holiday. You, none of you got to go to work on November 28th. Take the day off. Of course, a lot of you can this year anyway because it's Sunday. But I'm telling you that, that, that go ahead and take it off. How many of you would actually take the day of work off if it was a normal work day? Oh, we got one person saying, one for my wife says she would, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for that, baby. But I don't think you'd do it because you might do it for a different reason. But, but now if the president said, Congress and I have decided that November 28 is going to be a national holiday and nobody should have to work on November 28 because we're going to celebrate it because it's Cliff's birthday. Y'all would go, who in the world is Cliff and why would we care celebrating it? But you'd take the day off. Why? Why would you take it off? With, if, if, if the president said it, why would you take it off? And, and I said it and you didn't. He's got the power. He's got the power. That's exactly right. He's got the authority. So the position of power and authority that it is spoken from makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Jesus said, all power is given unto me. All authority. Jesus, the one who says he has the position as the Son of God, the one who speaks with the authority of God, who says he's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Gang, listen to me. He either is a lunatic and a liar, or he actually is who he said he is, and he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And if he is a liar or a lunatic and you believe that, you, I don't believe him at all, then you can just dismiss this and say, then it has nothing to do with me. If you are unsure or you have had a relationship with him, then, you've got to, then we've got to go to question number two. Then what's that mean to me? What difference does it make to me because of who said this? Here's what difference it makes. When Jesus said this, he was saying, I have won, I have captured, I own 
all the power and all the authority, anything and everything that you or I might need to do what he asks us to do, he says, is available to me and I am going to make it available to you. That's big. That's really big. So he says, I'm making it available to you so you can be obedient to me and carry out my commands. And when we obey Jesus' commands, he overcomes our problems. So let me ask you this question. What kind of things might, you, might concern you, might keep you from uh, wanting to make disciples or share the gospel message with people? What kind of things? Anybody? Pardon me? Rejection. Rejection. Absolutely. What else? Damage to the relationship. Oh, that's a good one. Don't know what to say. Don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do that. What others? Pardon me? I might lose my job. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. How many of you know that when we start moving in things that God wants us to move in, we have some other forces moving against us that may not even be physical? Huh? So we can expect a little bit more spiritual warfare. We talked about battles last week. That battle is flat going to be there. But what Jesus is saying in this, now watch this. What Jesus is saying is, look, you shouldn't need to worry about Satan or about opposition or about resistance or about hindrances. You shouldn't need to worry about whether the people are, are intellectuals or humanistic or not ready for the gospel or whether they're Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, or Baptist, for goodness sakes. doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter. I've got all the authority, all the power you need to do what I'm asking you to do. And if Jesus said it, he meant it. And that means we don't have a problem that he can't overcome. If we are going as he's told us to go. If we are doing what he's told us to do. Now that authority, that power is a, a, a it's, it's like dynamite. That's kind of the Greek word that's used in here that gives you the picture of that. In other words, a power that can't be contained by anything else, that's not controlled by uh, any king or kingdom that supersedes any other power. It's not subject to anything, demonic forces or anything else. It's a power over everything, Jesus says, in heaven, that's the spiritual realm, or on earth, that's the physical realm. Now listen, this is really important. The value you put on the words of Jesus determines the results those words will have for you. I want to say that again because it's really important. The value you put on the words of Jesus determines the results those words will have for you. And, and I, uh, uh, the same words, the exact same words, you know, I talked about it before. I could say the exact same words the president said, and you wouldn't pay attention to me, but you'd pay attention to him. The same words can affect people differently. For one, they can be life-changing, life-giving, life-producing, life-altering, life-saving, and the same words for somebody else may have no effect on them whatsoever. And, and you know this because if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, there was a point where you went, wow, you heard some words, and you heard those words, and you responded to those words, and you said, yes, I believe that's right. And when you responded to them, it changed who you were. It changed your relationship with Him. It changed everything in your life. Chances are somebody else heard the same words. They might have been sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you, and they did not respond in the same way you did. The same words have a completely different impact. The value you put on the words of Jesus 
determine the results those words will have for you. Jesus said, all authority, power in heaven and earth is given to me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. So we have every reason to go with optimism, with confidence, because Jesus is telling us that he has all the power we need. And when we obey his commands, he overcomes our problems. This is such a critically important statement to to get your arms around, to actually think through in your mind, to do more than memorize it and recite it, to own it, to have it become part of you, to let it possess your spirit. All power is given unto me. All authority is given unto me. Therefore, you, I, we can go. We can go and do what he has called us to do. We need to become addicted to that statement. Because Jesus is saying that his representatives have no problem that he can't overcome. He's saying, I got the last shot. I got the last words. I'm gonna, it makes the difference. So he's saying, if my words are true, ah, if my words are true, my believers, those who believe in me, have no reason not to go, not to be obedient not to do what I'm asking you to do because nothing can stop you. Nothing can keep Jesus from accomplishing his purposes through you if you'll just let him. You have the assurance, I have the assurance of Christ's supreme authority and power to accomplish everything he asks you to do. Now, there are a few of you who are thinking to yourself, yeah, but, yeah, but, Will there be problems? What's going to happen if I really step out and do this? And the answer is, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, there will be problems. There will be some opposition, as a matter of fact. In fact, Jesus goes so far. Don't you love Jesus? I mean, he's just going to flat tell it to you like it is. He's just going to. He, He goes further than just problems and opposition. He calls them tribulations. And here's what he says about him in, in John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, in other words, as long as you're alive, you will have, what? Tribulation. You will have it. Not you might have it. Not occasionally, once in a while, it might just so happen that. No, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. He's saying, I've got this. I've got this. By the way, just so we don't look at this in the wrong way, everyone has tribulations, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Whether you believe in Jesus or don't, you're going to have tribulations in your life. You're going to have problems in your life. You're going to have opposition in your life. But man, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you've got a promise from him that all authority, all power in heaven and on earth is his, and he's willing to allow us to operate under that authority and to do the things he's called us to do. We have a, a, a guy who comes to our church here. I'm going to call him out. His name's Pete. He's a police officer. Now, Pete, when he's operating under the authority that he has from the city, from the chief of police and all that, you know what that dude can do? He can walk right out in the middle of the street and stop traffic. And traffic stops. Now, if I walked out in the street and tried to stop traffic, I could be a road hazard. What's the difference? He has the authority, doesn't he? And he's operating under the authority. Oh, 
But see, if he doesn't operate under the authority, then the fact that he has the authority makes no difference at all. So Jesus is coming and saying, I've got all power, all authority given to me from God himself on heaven and on earth, and it's available to you to operate underneath my authority. And some of us are going around like our arms are broken and our legs are broken, and we're going, I can't do it, I got nothing. And God's going, yes, you do, you have the authority, but you have to step out into it. You have to do what the authority allows you to do. Hmm. Listen, Satan knows you're coming. Principalities and powers of darkness know that today you're trying to decide whether you should do what Jesus has asked you to do or not. And some of you have already decided to do it, so I'm telling you right now, Satan and principalities and powers of darkness know you're coming. Demons know you're coming. Listen, if heavenly opposition already knows you're going, going there, you don't need to worry about worldly opposition. It's a matter of saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to step into where you want me to step into because you've got the power and authority and you're giving it to me. And by the way, when the enemy comes against you, you don't have to take that nonsense. I've got the authority to be able to say, stop, right there. You've got no right here. Because I'm not yours. I'm his. Wow. What it really means, friends, is nothing can stop us when we do what Jesus has asked us to do. And, you know, I'm sure you're wondering, man, why is Cliff on such a rampage about this this morning? Why, why, why is this so important to him? I want to tell you why. I had a dear friend of mine die yesterday morning, fought, fought, for, fought COVID for four weeks, three of it in the ICU, and he passed away yesterday morning. Here's, here's, what, I, here's what I know about Billy. He's in glory. He's in glory. Billy knew Jesus. No question about it. Billy knew Jesus. Someone had listened to Jesus' great commission and had shared that with Billy. Billy heard the words he received into himself and he became a believer and he shared them with a lot of other people. Listen to me. There are people that God has put you in the pathway of. There are people that God has allowed to be in your life and you be in their life and he wants you to be those words to him. And if you don't, then you know what? Somebody's friend of that person later may not have the same hope that I have, the same knowledge that I have, the same certainty that I have, that I can actually rejoice about where Billy's at as much as it bothers me for his family and for us. I can actually rejoice in it. He doesn't care. I'll guarantee you, he's a happy man. Jesus is telling us, you don't have obstacles to being successful. If you're operating under my authority, my power. And I say, Lord, how do I know that? Can you give me some assurance of that? And he says, yeah, I can. I am so absolutely positive of it. I have absolute knowledge of it because I've actually seen it. What? Yeah, I've seen it. I don't know, friends, what it's like to be able to operate outside of the bounds of time. But God does. Because he actually exists outside of time. 
Jesus said himself in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. So he is the one who was there at the beginning of creation. He is the one who is going to be there at the end, and he knows everything that is in between. So here's how this works. You got a problem? Jesus knows where it originated at the very beginning. Jesus is in it with you right now where you are at, and guess what else? Jesus is actually seen the very end of it. So he knows you ain't got a problem. Amen. You have not got a problem that he cannot solve. And he's already seen the end of the problem. So when he tells us that, he's going, I, I can help you overcome that. I will help you overcome it. Oh yeah, I did. So when I tell you you've got that, you've got that. And you can be certain you've got it. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't even contemplate failure. There is no indication that he's thinking about any kind of failure at all. He presumes his cause is going to be successful. And since he's seen the end, he should know. So all he's doing is reporting to us what he already knows to be true. Wow. So knowing that he, the one who sees the beginning and the end, has all the power and all the authority, gives us the confidence and the basis to get going because we know he controls it all. Here are some other good news that the scripture tells us about that. When you begin to do that now, and you say, Lord, I want to know how to do I'm going to do that this week. I'm going, to, I'm going to be available to you. I'm going to step into it like you've asked me to do. But what if I fail? What if I mess up? Here's what's beautiful. You can't. If you know Jesus and you're trying to step in it for him, you cannot mess up. Wait a minute, Cliff. Are you, how, what, what are you talking about? Oh, it could look like it. It could look like you really messed it up big, but I'm telling you, you can't. Here's why, because Scripture tells us in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So it works this way. He said, I'm calling you to a purpose. I have all authority, all power in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's what I want you to do. I'm telling you to do that. So if we are involved in doing that, we are called according to his purpose. And if you love him, and if you have a relationship with him, you really ought to love him because you know what he's done for you and the price he's paid for your sins and, 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 all the, and how much he loves you so you cannot help but love him in return. I love him so incredibly much. So I say, Lord, I'm called according to your purpose and I love you. And so therefore, I can stand on the fact that no matter what it looks like, what looks like failure, God will turn to success. And he just will. He just will. You got to give him time. Say, Lord, I, I feel like I screwed that one up. But were you doing what I asked you to do? Well, yeah, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, then don't worry about it. I got that covered. I'm gonna turn what looks like failure into success. And friends, read the Bible. Look at people's lives that love Jesus. You'll see it again and again and again and again and again and again. It just happens over and over again. He works everything out for good as we, as we carry out his commission, doing what he's called us to do. Here's some other good news. Before God gives us a task, he equips us for the responsibility. So you don't have to worry about it. He's going to equip you for the responsibility. Now, it may not feel like it. <laughs> it might not feel like it at all. You might be going, God, I'm not ready for this. You want me to actually talk to so-and-so about it? You want me to share with them my testimony of how, how you entered into my life and what a difference it's made to me and, and who you are? To, you want me to share that with them? Lord, I, I don't think I'm ready for that. And God's going, oh, yeah, you are. 
I'm not going to have you do it until you're ready for it, but you're ready when I tell you. Not when you decide. I've I, I got to be honest, gang, I wouldn't be a pastor today if I waited till I decided. He said, oh, I know, I know you don't think you're worth it. I know you think you can't do any of that. I know that you think, I know you, I understand all your incompetencies better than you do. I created you. Are you willing to do what I'm asking you to? That's the only question I'm asking you. Hmm, okay, Lord. Go ye, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The word go here means as you are going, right? It doesn't mean go to Africa. It doesn't mean go to South America, although he could call you to do that. That's not what he means here. What he means is as you're doing life, as you're doing life, make disciples of all nations. Go ye, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Therefore means it's been settled. It's done. You can do it. It's completed. What's been settled and what's been done? What came before? All power, all authority is given to me on heaven and earth, and I'm giving it to you. Therefore, you can go. It's been settled. It's been done. People, problems, circumstances, oh, all will try to convince you that their power is greater, that you shouldn't give it a try. But don't give in to their thoughts. Don't give in to their thoughts. Don't give in to the suggestions like that. That doesn't come from Jesus. It comes from the enemy. And Jesus is saying, I've got more than that to give you. In fact, in 1 John 4, 4, he says, greater is he who is in you, that would be him by the power of the Holy Spirit, than the one who is in the world. Hmm. I believe I have empirically given you information as, as followers of Jesus Christ that there should be no question that you should go. So it's not if you should go. Some of you might be saying, well, how do I do that, Cliff? How do I do that? That makes me nervous. I'm not sure. How should I take this authority and this power that you're telling me I should operate under, how can I take that authority and power and move out into that like God's called me to do? Well, the wonderful thing about the Bible is Jesus tells us. He does more than tell us. He actually gives us a demonstration. Now, I want you to watch this. He's going to give us a demonstration that ties it into what we have been studying. He's going to tie it into that all authority and all power in heaven and earth is given to Jesus. Watch how he does it. John chapter number 13, and I think it's verse number 3. I'm trying to find it myself. Here we go. Jesus, knowing that he has all the authority... You get that? That's the tie together. Same word. He's got all the authority or power in heaven. Took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. What was he about to do? Wash the feet. He was about to wash the feet of his disciples, put a towel on, got down on his knees, and started to wash the feet of his disciples, those dirty, smelly feet, the lowest, most menial job of a servant in that entire culture Jesus stepped into and did. With what? With the power and authority that he had over heaven and earth, he demonstrates to you and I how to use it by serving other people willingly. Oh. So the power and authority isn't to elevate me and make me feel like I'm better and I can look down on others. And I got to tell you, if you're a believer and you think you are, knock it off. You're giving us a bad reputation. That's not what Jesus is about. 
Jesus is saying, man, look at here. Look at here. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the authority of God Almighty over the spiritual realm and over the physical realm so you can get on your knees and serve people the way I'm calling you to serve them. They'll see that as such an act of love that they'll ask, how in the world can you do that? And then you can share the hope that is within you. Then you can share about the Jesus who's done that for you. So I think some people that they, they just don't understand that that's so who can I serve, Lord? Who can I come, who can I pray for? Who can I come alongside of? And some of us we, we're just afraid. We're afraid that somebody will take it wrong. We're afraid that we'll get stumbling over ourselves. We're afraid that that, that they won't receive it right. We're just afraid. And God comes to us and says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, self-discipline. The self-discipline to show love and the power to not fear. Because Jesus said, all authority is given to me. All power in heaven and on earth. And then he says... Wrong button. Go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, he says. Nations. Nations means people groups. Now, according to the people who keep statistics on this, there's somewhere between 18,000 and 22,000 different people groups in the United States. Or not in the United States, in the world. In the world. Al Braca believed that his people group was the investment banking family that he, that he worked in and around. So a people group can be anything that, with common interests, a language, uh, an ethnic group, a hobby, an age, a profession, from hikers and bikers to businessmen and soccer moms. They're all a people group. So now you can look at yourself and say, what people group am I in? And how can I make a difference in that people group? I, I had a friend call me... Um, uh, day before yesterday and invited me to a deal yesterday that I unfortunately could not make, but um, I was delighted he invited me. It was a meeting of people who've been in prison. There's a people group for you, but it's a people group, isn't it? We all have something in common there, so I can, I can actually go to that where a lot of you can't and have a chance to make an influence in, the, in some people's lives, that, that Jesus would allow me to be able to share the good news and to make disciples of all nations or people groups. God wants you and I to know that we can change nations. We don't need to think about Russia or Bolivia or the United States. We just need to say, Lord, who's the people group around me? that you want me to be able to invest in, that you want me to be able to pray for. Show me how to care for them, how to share with them, how to, how to demonstrate your love for me and for them to them. So we pray and then we say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to follow your guidance, your direction in this. And when a person obediently moves forward in a relationship with the one who has all the power, all authority, He's saying you don't need to fear, hesitate, look to any other source, just do it. And when you obey Jesus' commands, he overcomes our problems. So go ye, therefore. Don't make excuses. Go ye, therefore. Don't avoid it. Go ye, therefore. Don't overanalyze it. Don't worry. Go ye therefore, don't wait, don't fear, don't question, don't demand, don't hesitate, go ye. Because it is only those who obey that instruction that have the backing of that power. Wow, okay Lord, 
Now, I love how Jesus ends this commission. He says, go ye and know that Jesus goes with you. Remember, he ends the great commission with a great promise. I am with you always, 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 even to the end of the age, which means long past the time that we are here and gone unless Jesus comes again. He's saying, I am with you always. There is never a situation that I will not be with you in. Go ye, and he will be with you always. You know, when we obey Jesus' commands, then he overcomes our problems. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to to do that. But before I do, uh, to, to just to say, Lord, I want to be obedient to your commands. But before I do, I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story about Billy Graham. It was 1940, and, um, and Billy Graham happened to be in seminary at that time at Wheaton College in Chicago, Illinois. And him and a bunch of other seminarian students uh, went to England to uh, look at different places where revivals had been, they, to, to kind of study them. And one of the places they went was to the home of John Wesley. I mentioned last week that John Wesley was a circuit-riding preacher in the 1700s, and he was involved in revivals in England and in the United States. And so they went to the house that he'd been in at some time when he was in England and toured the home. And while they toured the home, the professor showed them that next to the bed in Wesley's bedroom, uh, on the carpet, there were two worn spots. And the professor pointed out those two worn spots and said, that's where Wesley, his knees were when he would pray. It was his habit to pray right there by his bed. And he would just pray. He was known for praying for hours for God to send a revival and allow him to be part of it. God, send a revival and let me be part of it. God, send a revival and let me be part of it. And God did that in both England and the United States for John Wesley. So the seminarian students, they see that, and they see the rest of the house, and they go down, and they get in the bus, and the professor's in the bus, and he's counting them all, and he's coming up one short. So what, we're missing somebody. I must still be in the house. So he went back in the house to find him, could hear a voice, and started following the voice upstairs to the bedroom of John Wesley. And there, next to the bed, was Billy Graham with his knees, right where John Wesley's had been, his hands in the air. And he was just passionately saying, do it again, Lord. Do it again and use me. Do it again, Lord. Do it again and use me. Wow. I want him to use me. I want him to use you. I want you to say, Lord, I want to be used by you. So here's what we're going to do. If you recognize it, Lord, I want to I want to carry out your great commission for me. I'm going to ask you to do this. We're going to I'm going to pray for us all in just a second here. I'm going to ask you to to be willing to put your hands up like this and let him know I'm giving myself to you. You're going to put yourself in 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 your hands and say, Lord, here I am. I'm willing to carry out your great commission. You've got all the power. You've got all the authority. You show me how to do it. You can put your hands up while you're sitting. You can stand up and put them up. You can kneel down and put them up, whatever you want. Let's go to him in prayer right now. Just lift your hands up. If that's you, if you want to do that, you're making the commitment. Lord Jesus, right now, you see everyone who has their hands up, whether they're kneeling, whether they're standing, whether they're sitting, and you recognize them, you know them, you know the imprint of them, you designed them, you created them, you know their DNA. And right now, Lord, we are lifting up our hands and saying to you, we're available, Lord. 
You've got the power. You've got the authority. We're asking for you to pour it out on us so we can carry out the commission that you've called us to do, to let us make disciples, to let us share your gospel. Lord, bring revival. Bring revival. Do it again, Lord, and use us. Do it again, Lord, and use us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Speak through us. Do it again, Lord. Use us as only you can. And we ask that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, if I can get up. I thought I was going to have to ask your help, Peyton. <laughs> Would you stand and receive a blessing from him? We're going to keep worshiping after this uh, and just for just a moment. Lord, we ask you to come and the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you to give you his peace and his strength so that you can carry out the great commission of making disciples like he has called you to do. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen, amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.